This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you, you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, if you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word. Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product. And Auburn is one of their biggest sellers, like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn Undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24 7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. It is our roundtable edition of the show, SEC Opener Edition. We have reached SEC competition after Auburn's first three games of the season, obviously against non conference opponents and it is no surprise, it is uh, not a shocker to anybody that the Tigers will be looking for a big bounce-back effort. This weekend, uh, they host Missouri at 11 a.m., first, first morning kick of the season against the Missouri Tigers. First time Missouri's ever come into Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, so obviously we got a little bit of history last week as Penn State was the first Big Ten team to do so, and now Missouri is coming for the first time since they moved over to the SEC Back in 2012, of course, we have our roundtable crew here of Jason Caldwell, Mark Murphy, and Philip Marshall. And we'll get right into just a little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of news um, that we had not discussed. It was we recorded last around Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday morning, and then this was news Tuesday evening. Um, Jason, you you reported it on our site, but it, it was something that we had caught wind of the past 24 hours or so um, before that. So not not necessarily super shocking, but. TJ Finley is not expected to play this weekend. We assume it will be Robbie Ashford starting at quarterback. Um, but, and, 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 you know, I don't think many people reacted, um, you know, super harshly to this news just because I don't think you've seen in terms of just production for the offense overall. It's not like there's been a huge drop off with Robbie Ashford. So I think people, you know, 
expected that maybe if Finley was healthy, maybe they'd, they'd, they'd try to roll with us at some point anyway. So it's not like this is a massive detriment um, to the offense. Certainly, Finley ran the passing game better all through the preseason. He's probably your better passer. I think he's definitely your better passer between the two of them. But, um, you know, it, we assume it's going to be Robbie starting. And after that, it might get crazy in terms of the, the quarterback room this weekend. Um, might, might see some new faces there behind him that we haven't seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if it's not, you know, Robbie Ashford um, that gets to start and plays the the bulk of the snap Saturday, you know, provided, you know, there's no injury or anything. And you know, he's he's gotten um, some reps. He's got a chance to play. And obviously his most extensive playing time was, was last Saturday against Penn State, you know, where he plays, you know, the bulk of the second half and, and is out there running the show, kind of running the offense. And, you know, now the question is, is how do they tailor the offense to him? How does it work with him? kind of running the show. Um, TJ Finley, I think the expectations are, you know, a couple of weeks for him, maybe at a minimum. Uh, so it, this, this could be something that, you know, they have to develop. And, you know, with, you know, the, with questions still, I think concerning Zach Calzada, um, you know, whether it's, you know, I, I think, you know, he's been cleared physically, obviously, you know, everybody saw him warm up Saturday and, and um, you know, they had him throw it on the sidelines, those things, but it, from every indication, it sure feels like Holden Garner is a guy that, that is getting, you know, more of the second team reps and we can see the true freshman for the first time in his career. Um, I think even, even if it's going well, I, I think in, in certain situations, they're going to want to get him out there and try to throw the ball. I think they feel like he's a guy that has a ton of potential as a passer. And we've seen that going from high school, even preseason, you can see him throw the football. It's there. And he did a good job when we saw him in some of those scrimmage situations, even going back to the spring. And so, um, yeah, it's now, you know, how do you move the offense forward from really the, the rut that it's been in in the first three weeks? Um, who knows? Maybe, you know, not rotating quarterbacks might help in, in terms of kind of getting a little bit of rhythm for the first time because they haven't had any rhythm to speak of um, so far this year. Um, but you do lose. You're right. Without T.J. Finley, um, you know, yeah, he's had some turnover issues. But he made some really big plays on third down against Penn State in that game, and, and did a couple of things there in the passing game. You know, Robbie Ashford is is is, is kind of more boomer bust kind of guy in the passing game. He's a guy that can I think make some big plays. I think the thing for Auburn with with Robbie Ashford is that I think you need to take four or five deep shots. That's that's his strength. He's going to be throwing the ball down the field and maybe not the highest percentage plays, but hey, if I could hit three seventy yard passes in a game, I, I'd take that um, and run with it. So. We'll see if they become a little bit more aggressive down the field with him, but obviously you got to feel like this is going to be a pretty run-heavy game plan for Auburn, and you know, with with based on you know Robbie Ashford and what he brings to the table. Yeah, I was going to say if there was ever a if there was ever a conference opener um, to lean on your rushing attack, and in light of what happened against Penn State, I think Auburn might be itching to to increase that production, increase usage overall. I mean, obviously we talked about it this week, but Tank Bigsby. Only had nine carries against Penn State. Mark, you were we were talking before we started that you were watching some of that uh, Missouri and Kansas State game back in week two. Missouri couldn't do much to stop the run in that game, and and that might be something where Auburn can kind of hang its hat on or early and often. You know, get a guy like Ashford or whomever is playing quarterback, get them comfortable. Um, certainly, I'd be I'd be surprised if you see Tank Bigsby get only nine carries again. In a game like this, Auburn's probably going to want to lean on that and you know give its offensive lines its pass protection that really struggled. Give them some time to to bounce back against a Missouri defense that at least against the one decent team they've played seemed like they they might be pretty susceptible to the run. 
Well, I think it's safe to assume that Tank Bigsby is well rested because he didn't get a lot of action last week. Same with Jarquez Hunter, um, who, who I thought had the best play of the game last week when he jumped over that guy, literally jumped over him to score a touchdown late in the game. And, uh, you know, I think these guys can be a really good one-two punch, but they need some help. And they need some help from the play calling. They need some help from the offensive line. And uh, I'm curious to see if Jaleel Irvin, who was in, in the fourth quarter at center, if he's going to be the starter. He started against Houston in the ball game. I thought he did a solid job. And I was a little surprised, you know, he wasn't uh, the first option um, this season as the center. Uh, but uh, he's played some guard. He's played some center. And uh, I'm not sure they're, they're not looking at another change or two. Maybe somebody like Alec Jackson could come in and, and play. I've seen him play in big games before and block well. So uh, they, they need to make some changes. They need to get it sh shaken up because that was one of the worst offensive line games I've ever seen at Jordan-Hare Stadium by an Auburn team. And, uh, you know, you can't keep playing like that and expect to win games in the SEC, guys. Yeah, we talked about it uh, yesterday, Mark and Jason. I know we referenced that it was, according to Pro Football Focus, it was 36 quarterback pressures on only 45 dropbacks um, for Auburn. They they update those numbers throughout the week. Um, they, they go in and, and just make a little adjustments here and there. Um, it is now up to 40 pressures from Penn State. So you're talking 40 on 45 dropbacks. That is not not necessarily what you uh, what you want to see. So they'll need a better performance. Uh, Philip, I mean, there's 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 no way to slice it any other way. Um, this is you know Brian Harson obviously you know spurned the idea of a must win game, which he probably should have done, considering you know you never want to go in and lose a game. Um, but but. For the immediate future and maybe the the you know long term future of of the Auburn football program, um, you probably have to win this game on Saturday, or else there is going to be some immense pressure mounting that night, probably um, for them to for them to make a change. I mean, I I think that this is the most sort of I guess united you've seen people in just at least a mindset toward this game on Saturday, thinking this is you know has the potential to be to be the last straw. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm out of line there, but it seems like, it seems like everybody's sort of come to that agreement that uh, this is not a game you can go out on lose on Saturday or else we might looking, be looking at a, a pretty eventful next week or so. Well, it is definitely a must win game for Brian Harson. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how much winning it helps him, but losing it would be, you know, and I don't – it's a little bit uncomfortable to even say or talk about because I don't know what would happen if he lost it. But support is going in a hurry. It's dwindling in a hurry, and if that happens, then I'm afraid it would be gone. And uh, uh, I don't see how – it would be – he would be in serious danger of, of something happening quickly. I think if they lost that game and, uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. The whole thing's unfortunate, but, uh, but it is what it is. And that game last Saturday was just so bad. And then really, if you look back at the San Jose state game, 
it was probably just about as bad. It was just against a team that wasn't good enough to win. And, uh, um, but to get beat like that at Jordan Hare Stadium, to give up five rushing touchdowns to just get beaten up on both lines of scrimmage, uh, that's a problem. Uh, and there are other issues, obviously, that we talked about, but it's definitely a must win for Brian Harson. I don't believe there's any way you can get around that. Well, obviously they've they've got to go out there and, and get it done. Missouri is sort of, you know, toward the, the lower tier of teams in the SEC, at least at least through the first few games. Um obviously that could change. It's um, a homecoming of sorts for for Eli Drinkwitz. He was at Auburn for a couple years, obviously as a uh, a quality control guy under under Gus Malzahn. He joked this week that uh, you know his, in his first year his first year on the college level, obviously he came from he came as an Arkansas high school coach um, to be an off the field guy for for Malzahn. His first year at the college level, he won a national title with with Cam Newton in that offense. Um, and he joked, he said, wow, you, uh, back then I thought, man, this is easy. College football is easy. You just get in here, you have a great quarterback, and you and you go and win championships. Um, of course, he has some history with with Brian Harson. Um, I just think it would be safe to say that this is a game that he probably wants uh, wants pretty badly and, um, you know, to be able to, to go up against one of his one of his former mentors. But, Jason, you know, you, you look at Missouri's offense and similar to Auburn's hasn't hasn't shown you a ton through these first few games. Um, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag for a guy like Brady Cook, who won their starting quarterback job in the preseason. We know about a guy like Luther Burden. I mean, he, Brian Harson mentioned him in like his fourth sentence of his press conference. I mean, there's a lot of talent there. Um, but at least when, when I recorded the the pregame show today with with Callum McAndrew from the the Post Dispatch, it's funny. All he wanted to talk about was the offensive line. So it sounds like the same sort of issue over there. Um, their fear is. Auburn getting after them in in the way that that Penn State did. Um, so again, the thinking would be that Auburn could have a bounce back performance here. Can you know? I saw you know, obviously Marcus Harris was talking about it today, trying to get that sack total back up. You would think this is an offense on Missouri's end that Auburn's defense would be able to you know have some success against you know, on the line of scrimmage. But yeah, we we've seen them struggle in some areas at the start of the season. We've also seen them have some success. Yeah, you know this is the one thing about. You know, a guy like Eli Drinkwitz is he's gonna he's gonna have some plays. Um, can Auburn limit those plays to to a fifteen yard gain instead of giving up a big play for a touchdown? You, know, you look in, in you know Brady Cook is sixty four percent completion percentage had a, a a terrible start to the game against Kansas State, and but you know you look and he's got he's averaging about two hundred yards passing the game, but he also averages fifty three yards rushing. So this is a, a pretty athletic quarterback. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised to see them do some similar things that San Jose State did, uh, you know, and, and, and do quick game, do some of those things. And you look, you're right. You know, Luther Burden, it's been a little bit of everything. He has 10 catches for 78 yards and one touchdown. You go, well, you know, that's, that's not very good. But he has, you know, seven carries for 40 yards and a touchdown. That's four punt returns for 111 yards, including a 78 yard touchdown. And so, you know, he's a guy that does a little bit of everything. Dominic Lovett. Is a receiver that had a big game last week. He had 16 catches already in three games for 274 yards. The running game for them is the really interesting thing. Uh, Cody Schrader is a guy that transferred from Truman State, um, averages four yards a carry, two touchdowns, 48 yards a game. They've got Nathaniel Pete averages 38 yards a game. Another guy that averages 17, another guy 15 
and then a quarterback with 53. So it's kind of a running back by committee group for this team. But, yeah, the offensive line, um, got a couple of veterans in there, but uh, it's not an overwhelming group for Auburn to, to take on on Saturday. And, you know, I think it's just can – you know, the big question for me, can can this Auburn defense go out and create some negative plays and create a turnover or two? Because when your offense is struggling, you need to give them the ball in favorable, you know, field position situations to hey, give them a short field to try to score a touchdown. And so I think for this Auburn defense, you got to be more aggressive. I just think that the days of sitting back all day and waiting on something to happen defensively, these these guys are too good. Everybody plays seven on seven. All these guys do this. They can pitch and catch the football if you give them time. Um, Auburn's got to take some of that away and create some pressure and try to create some negative plays. Um, you know, if you're sitting back all day and Missouri doesn't turn it over on Saturday, then it, then it, it's going to be going to be right there again. Going, man, um, you know, you, do you have enough bullets to, to win that one on offense if you don't get some help? Yeah, Mark, we mentioned how Auburn obviously has to probably lean on the ground game first and foremost here number one just because of their personnel but number two you're dealing with sort of a reeling offensive line um and a change at quarterback um but Robbie Ashford's gonna need some help in the passing game he's he's gonna have to make a few plays with his arm it's similar to what we talked about you know it's so funny when we talked about Penn State you know we said oh TJ Finley has to convert some third and longs with his arm in order for them to chance well (laughs) he He did exactly that. We just you know, didn't account for the fact that they were going to turn the ball over four times. Um, again, Auburn should be more talented than Missouri on most fronts, but still feels like a game where, because of some of the issues they've had up front, Robbie Ashford's going to have to make some plays happen on on third downs, if not just a handful of them, to keep you know keep the drive going, keep the defense in a in a good position. Um, but still, through the first few games, we we saw Landon King make that great catch. Um, we saw we saw them go to Shed Jackson. We saw them go to Javarius Johnson. This is still a receiver rotation, and even a guy like John Samuel Shanker has, has struggled the past couple of weeks. He's had a lot of penalties. Um, this is still a rotation in the passing game that has not, I think, reached you know its 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 full depth like it like it wanted to in the in the preseason because they have so many different guys. Um, I think they're going to need a, a couple more playmakers to step up for to help out a guy like Ashford who who. It's pretty apparent, you know, T.J. Finley is the better passer between those two. You know, I think Ashford has got a really nice arm. He throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, he can throw the deep outs, uh, but he's not consistent throwing the football, and he does not have a good feel and touch for throwing short passes. And that's the number one thing that stands out to me about him as a passer. And, you know, something we talked about previously is the guy just did not play a lot of football in high school because, number one, he was hurt part of the time. And, number two, he divided his time with baseball because he was a really good baseball prospect. And even when he was at Oregon, he spent part of his time playing baseball and did not get in a football game. So things like him uh, throwing to a receiver who was basically open not notice that he needed to lob the ball over the underneath coverage. I mean, that's something he's got to get better at. And we'll see how much he's learned from his ex- fairly extensive playing time last week. And maybe that'll help him play better this week. But you're right, Nathan. The receivers need to be consistent, step up. Auburn needs to get the ball to guys who can be playmakers, Javarius Johnson, certainly. You know, after Landon King made that catch, I kept waiting for him to throw the ball to him again last Saturday. It was a puzzle. 
It was a puzzle why he hadn't played much earlier. It was a puzzle why they didn't throw it to him more on Saturday. Um, so uh, those are really big keys to watch. And because, you know, Missouri's okay on defense, but uh, this is a team, if Auburn is competent at all on offense, they should be able to score well into the 20s and maybe even more so. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I said last week was going to be a huge game for telling us what kind of team Auburn has. Well, it did. It told us it's a team that's in the bottom of the SEC. We're going to might, – might find out if it's at the very bottom or how close to the bottom it is this week, but particularly if they don't play well against uh, Missouri. Yeah, I think you know, they keep the turnovers down. And, and, again, we said this last week that Auburn – Auburn was able to do some of these things competently that they could get, you know, in the twenties and have a good chance to beat a team like Penn state. And then it ended up that wasn't going to be the case. Cause even with, even without the turnovers, Penn state would have been in the thirties and we didn't know how much Auburn was going to struggle in the second half offensively. And obviously those turnovers just sort of tanked everything. Um, Philip, we'll start with you in terms of uh, your prediction for the game or just how you kind of see things playing out. Uh, you're welcome to you're welcome to drop your score prediction or your game prediction. Well, there, like there's been Thursday anyway. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of talk about the offensive woes and the offensive line and those things, and rightly so. But the most surprising thing to me, and again, it didn't just start Saturday, has been that that the defense has not been nearly as strong as I expected it to be. Uh, they. Uh, they they don't seem to be getting a lot done on the interior of the defensive line. And the result is like Derek Hall got double teamed all night by Penn State or the second half. And there's just not much he can do about that. And uh uh and the defensive backs, they did a better they they obviously had had worked on stopping the slants last week. They did better by that. But they didn't get a whole lot of them, and uh, uh, the secondary's got got guys back that ought to be really good players, and it's just been average or less so far. I, uh, there's no part of the defense I can look at and said, "Boy, that that position is good." They, they just haven't played that way, and uh, I didn't expect that. I expected. Uh, the run game to be better. I mean, you know, they, they rushed for over 200 yards against Penn State last season with essentially the same offensive line that was out there last Saturday. And uh, uh, and I just – I'll never understand. When Really, the only real proven impact player they have on offense is Tank Bigsby. And to not use him, that's just kind of – it's hard for me to understand, but what do I know? Anyway – Auburn's going to have to show me now uh, that they can beat an SEC team. And I picked Missouri. I think it was 27 to 21. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, we're in that, we're in that process now where it's still, in, this, is, this is a show me team right now. They, they need to show a lot this weekend in terms of their ability um, to bounce back. Obviously, in a perfect world, you would have no turnovers, them going out and winning by a few scores. But Jason, I, with again, with what we've seen on both sides of the ball, I I don't I see this being a close game for them, even though it's at home against Missouri. Maybe not some couple months ago we would have expected, but at this current juncture, you know, we, we could very well be wrong, but it seems like it might be a might be a decently contested game. Is it is it good news or bad news that you both said show me again in their play in Missouri? I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but um but it's true. Um, you know, we we've talked about both sides of the ball. Um kicking game is has still been solid. Um, but there's nowhere else on this team where I look at this team going, they've they've improved over last year. And matter of fact, everywhere I look on this team, I say, look, they're not as good as they were last year. And and that's that's an issue. Um, because you start going, where do you where do you go then? What are the answers? We haven't seen a ton of depth on the defensive line that that we had heard they were going to play and they were going to rotate these guys. <clears throat> we haven't seen that so far. They played three weeks, and and I thought that group got wore down a little bit by Penn State at the end of that game. Missouri can go tempo; they can do some of those things. If they start having a little success doing that, um, then you could wear out a defensive line in a hurry that doesn't rotate very much. So. Um, there's some danger in this game. Um, I, I still feel like Auburn can run the football. Will they? That remains to be seen. They gave up on it pretty early against Penn State, even with that game was was a one-score game because Penn State said, hey, we're going <clears> to <throat> try to take it away. We're going to stack the line of scrimmage and do some of those things. Well, lo and behold, uh, Blake Baker, you know, Penn State's, um, you know, defense – I mean, uh, excuse me, Missouri's defensive coordinator is a protege of Manny Diaz, Penn State's defensive coordinator. I would assume that blueprint's going to be, you know, pinned up and, and it was pretty quickly uh, worked on on Sunday to, that Auburn going to see a lot of the same things. But I think Mark mentioned it. I, I think we're going to see some changes on the offensive line. I think it'll make a difference. Jaleel Irvin is a little bit bigger body, but has a little bit more experience. Um, and so maybe a little more communication up there. But, hey, Alec Jackson, Brendan Coffey, um, do we see, we may see – several new faces on that offensive line. Um, and I think got to run the football. I think Auburn will. Um, and, and I said, I think I picked 23 to 17, something like that. I don't think it's going to be a pretty game, but at this point it doesn't really matter if you can find a way to win. Yeah. I think, uh, again, when we were, when we did the, the pregame show, um, with, with Callum, he, he seemed to seem to indicate that he thinks that they will, Follow that blueprint pretty pretty closely of what uh, of what Penn State was able to do on defense and and bring a lot of pressure and so Auburn has to be able to respond to that or they're going to be in a really bad spot with uh, with a guy who hasn't gotten as many whether it's Ashford or whether it's maybe Holden Gurner at some point neither of them are as experienced running the offense as uh, as TJ Finley is so um, Mark you were you were higher than some of us in the offseason I remember on Missouri's chances in this game. Um, or at least just to keep things competitive. Whenever we did the confidence ratings, all that kind of stuff, um, I think you were a little bit higher on on Mizzou. 
But at this point, they haven't necessarily shown much, but Auburn hasn't either. And so I think we're I think we're right around the same place that you might have been with this game a couple months ago that that uh, that maybe you think Missouri can can keep things pretty close. Yeah, I think it's definitely got the potential to be a close game. And it's certainly a game Auburn can lose. Uh, because TJ Finley doesn't look like he's gonna play due to the shoulder problem, I think it's gonna force Auburn to give the ball more to tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. And I think that's probably a really good thing for this game because Missouri's run defense is suspect. And um, and then you also have the third runner in there with the quarterback, Ashford and his good legs. And if they turn him loose and let him go, that could mean Auburn's going to get up in the high 20s or so. And, and I think that's going to happen. I just think Auburn's way overdue for a turnover. Um and, you know, maybe even a, a pick six or a scoop up a fumble and run it in or maybe a score on special teams. And because of that, I think they might get a short field once or twice. And I'm going to pick uh, – and I thought about this one for a while. Um, I don't feel wonderful about it. I'm picking Auburn to win 30-24, to 24, three touchdowns and three field goals. There you go. It seems like a pretty uh... – Seems like a pretty safe bet. Mine is is pretty similar to what I had last week. I'm going Auburn 27 to 17. Um, so I, I, I think they'd take a double digit victory, no problem, um, in this kind of game. I think they'd be they'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, probably you should probably see Tank Bigsby have a good chance to go over 100 yards in this game. Like you said, Mark, they are they are incredibly overdue um, for a takeaway on defense. Um, I don't know if y'all have been able to find it or, or look back at it but I mean the box scores don't go back super far but I haven't been able to find the last time that Auburn went four straight games without a without a takeaway so this would be this would be some real rough history for them if they're able to to pull that one off so um so we got three Auburn picks and and one obviously from Philip for Mizzou we'll have the full uh full predictions for the game on Thursday on the site um of course in our fearless forecasters piece uh the best SEC game of the day well, maybe, maybe it just depends on how you see Florida versus Tennessee. But what I think will probably be the better SEC game, um, luckily for all the Auburn folks, is uh, is at night. You, know, you get uh, Arkansas and Texas A&M, of course, playing in uh, playing in Jerry World as they always do. Um, Philip Arkansas got away with a <laughs> with a little bit of a scare last week. That was almost uh, you know Auburn was obviously a pretty big story in the SEC last week, but Arkansas was almost the the tragedy of the week if they had lost to. Petrino, there's no telling what would happen. They've lost to Petrino and uh, and Missouri State last week. That would have been uh, that would have been something else. But they're lo and behold, they're still number ten in the country, and I think they're they're still a, a few points favored in this game. Well, I I don't think I have bought into Arkansas as much as some people have. Uh, I think they're good. I don't think they're one of the ten best teams in the country. Uh, uh, but then again. How good is Texas A&M? Well, they're really good on defense, but uh, but even then, they were pretty fortunate against Miami. Miami had twenty-seven first downs and didn't score a touchdown. That's pretty hard to do. And uh, uh, but Texas A&M is really good on defense, and uh, I I think they'll be able to uh, to hold Arkansas down a little bit and. Uh, I don't remember who I picked in the game on our pick, Jason. So I mean, Nathan. So, <laughs> but I think 
I'd give a slight edge to Texas A&M just because of their defense. Yeah, and the other one we referenced, another ranked versus ranked. Um, it's a Florida team, Jason, going to Knoxville. Obviously, this has been reversed. Uh, this is this is like a, like Florida and Kentucky's series. This was this was a this was a matchup that the Gators dominated for such a long time. Um, but now it seems like you know, obviously there, there's there's obviously a, maybe a slight edge for Tennessee in this game just because of the way they've played so far this season. Um, but just a puzzling, puzzling year so far for uh, for a guy like Anthony Richardson who came out uh, so strong in that first game, and uh, you know, obviously it was it was a little 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 bit of exaggeration to c- compare him to Cam Newton that early on, like some people. A did. little bit, um, <laughs> Smith. But yeah. I mean, since then they have not been able to find anything through the passing no. game, the, or or I mean anything for him really in any, in any facet. I, I, I don't, I think it's a mismatch and I don't, I don't think Tennessee's great, but they can score points. Florida can't score. Um, I think Tennessee's going to win this game and everybody's going to prop them up even more uh, this season, but they can do things that, I mean, I did see a stat and, and Nathan, I can't remember if exactly, did you, do you remember the stat Hendon hookers, his stats at Tennessee is at 47 and two. Is that right? Did 47 touchdowns, two interceptions. Oh, that could I, be. I'll look at I, it right I think now. it's somewhere around in there, which is <clears throat> it's pretty, remar- it's pretty remarkable to, to see what he's done in resurrecting his career uh, after not playing at Virginia Tech. Go to Tennessee and, and just take off with Josh Heupel. So uh, I like them. Um, obviously, the right quarterback fit for them. And, and going back to the first game, I think Max – you know, you guys know I've been saying it. I thought Texas A&M played the wrong quarterback from the beginning of the season. Uh, I think Max Johnson is a much better quarterback for them. and. Um, I, I think he's a guy that can help them do some things in the passing game. So, um, yeah, a couple of couple of good games there. But yeah, I think Tennessee for me is a team that I, I, I've said all along. I thought they were the only team that I've seen that could, I felt like could challenge um, Georgia and Alabama just because they can score a bunch of points and, and, and do some things. And I think we'll see that on on Saturday against Florida. There are a few teams in the top ten, or at least close to it, that. I mean, somebody's got to be there. Some obviously, someone has to. But uh, you know, we haven't really seen a ton from them. And like Jason said, like if Tennessee wins this game, they'll be they'll be propped up there in the top ten. Mark, you've also got uh, USC in the top ten. I think they're I think they're really good. I think they could make the playoff if they run the table in the Pac-12. Um, but you've also got a team like uh, I mean, Oklahoma's good. But the, I mean, what have they necessarily done so far? Kentucky um, is in the top ten, and so uh, I think it's. Super strong at the top, but then uh, you know teams like Arkansas and, and Kentucky and Tennessee um, might be a little bit far behind in terms of you know being able to to compete for the playoff or something like that this season. Hey, what yeah. I want to know is why we're not talking about the battle of the unbeaten's in Lawrence, Kansas. There you go, Future Kansas. <laughs> that's, where, that's where College Game Day should have gone. <laughs> being honest, that, that guy Kansas has done an amazing job. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Good. They were uh, about as bad a FBS team a couple of years ago as you're going to ever find, and they've really turned it around. And uh, you know, I agree with Philip too about Arkansas. I've been saying, yeah, they're good on offense, but I'm not sold on their defense yet. So I think it's a good game because I'm not sold on Texas A&M's offense either. So I think it's going to be a good matchup and. You know, to me, neither one looks like a top 10 team. Uh, but 
um, is, a, is a big game in the SEC West. So it'll be fun to watch. And I agree with Jason that Tennessee is going to take care of business against Florida. You know, Florida was fortunate to beat South Florida last week, I thought. Very South fortunate. It's not very good. So it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and Kentucky, I think Kentucky's okay. I've watched them play a couple times. Not real explosive on offense. And they're okay on defense. Um, you know, one of those things that I remember Jason and I talked about during recruiting is like, why in the world did Auburn not recruit Cavassier Smoke? Um, uh, from what was he, Stanhope Elmore? We Tomka. Tomka. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, he's proven to be one of the better running backs in the SEC. And that I mean, it's just like, wow. And, you know, Auburn could certainly use every good football player he can get his hands on right now, guys. Yeah, I was going to mention another one. You just mentioned Duke in, in Kansas, the quarterback for Duke, Riley Leonard, a guy, Mark, that we watched in a basketball camp at Auburn. He's from Fairhope. I saw him play football uh, for Fairhope and former Auburn high coach Tim Carter, really athletic kid, completing 70, over 70% of his passes for Duke and Got them, you know, undefeated so far. Also has about 150 yards rushing and six or seven total touchdowns. Supremely good athletic guy and a big kid, about six five. And that's a guy that, you know, you you see a guy like that at Duke. He he can change the fortunes of a program when you have a kid like that. And yeah, another guy that Auburn let get out of the state. Yeah, I remember watching him like athletically dominate some really good. <laughs> basketball players at that camp. And I was going like, good grief. Why is Auburn not recruiting this guy? But um, they just chose not to. You know, it was, let's see. So it had been 2016. Um, so it was, it was this week, way back in the 2016 season, this, this coming Saturday um, that you could say that, that Gus Melzon got less miles fired with the, with the Auburn LSU game, that one that ended up, uh, with huge clock mismanagement at the end of the game. They thought they got a touchdown and ended up not getting it. I believe he gets fired the next day on, on Sunday. He was. He and, was. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, that was a guy that had nine lives. He'd done it about nine times, yeah. got away with it, and it finally cost him. <laughs> I tell you what was amazing on that last play. Not only was it very clearly after time had run out, the entire left side of the offensive line was not set. None of them. And none of it got called. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember Deshaun Davis. I remember Deshaun Davis during the play pointing, and he was a little late, whoever he was covering, because he was he was he put both arms up in the air once away. My point is that Gus Malzahn might be able to get somebody else fired again because they host Georgia Tech, and it seems like that's uh well, I think that's, that's <laughs> Georgia Tech. I think he's his days are seriously numbered. I think the Colorado coach's days are seriously numbered. Uh, it's tough business. Of course, you get paid. You get paid a big buyout. I'll, I'll sign people. up. I, I, I'm ready. I'll, they, can, they can have it right now. They can fire me after the first game. I'm good. <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be like the other one, Gerard. <laughs> when do you want me to go? Which door you want me to go out of? Show, show me the door. Let's go. Yes, I, I mean, goodness, there, I mean, there's going to be a lot of midseason stuff in the in the in the coaching. Well, you just almost the days of waiting until the season's over, and let if there, yeah. unless unless there are real questions about what you're going to do, once it has been decided, then 
you just almost have to go ahead and pull the trigger because, I mean, National Signing Day happens so quickly after the end of the season. Uh, I mean, obviously, you can't uh, you can't have a coach on board until the end of the season, but you can have him ready to get on board at the end of the season. And uh, you know, and, and a lot of people don't, I think, understand how the process works. You can have him ready to get on board at the end of the season without ever talking to him personally. Because it just goes through how you talk to his agent, his agent talks to him, and then his agent talks to you, and then his agent talks to him, and there you go. Plausibility. Uh, uh, exactly. Exactly, which is really kind of silly when you think about it, since everybody knows. But uh, – um, but that's just the way the nature of the game. And, you know, I, I feel, I feel worse for the families and, of, of, and guys that aren't on the coaching staff. I mean, the assistant coaches get paid a lot of money now too. And, uh, but lots of people who don't get paid a lot of money stand to lose their jobs when a coach gets fired. And that's, you know, that's, that's the unfortunate part about it, but, and they know that when they get into it, too. And there's a lot more of them than there used to be. Yeah. Yep. There's an army of them. Correct. On Brian Harrison's staff. They, uh, they're coming and going all the time. Yeah, Florida. I, I counted Florida in their team photo. Oh, my goodness. People that weren't in a uniform, 140. There are 140 <laughs> people that weren't in a uniform in Florida's team photo. That's more people that watched UCLA's last game. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> more people that were in a Rose Bowl. A little different than it was a few years ago. Yeah, and it's, and it's ever-changing. <laughs> yep. There's uh, plenty of trickle-down effect. and I mean, somebody said it to me recently. I mean, talking about Auburn. I mean, that's the second – in terms of in terms of revenue trickle down from a state employee, that's uh, the second biggest one. It's the second biggest one in Alabama. The the, the biggest one is over at uh, is over in Tuscaloosa, and so um, yeah, it doesn't just you know it doesn't just affect the coaching staff. It affects uh, so many other people, and so uh, but we're obviously talking about Auburn here, and it will we'll see if that ends up being the case. Certainly, if they lose to Missouri, we'll be back on here talking about something similar. But uh, most of us picking a. Most of us picking Auburn to win this weekend. Philip went uh, went against the grain, and uh, Philip, you're not alone, by the way. Christian is also in the in the same boat with his pick. I'll go ahead and spoil it for what's on the site. I always knew Christian was 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 smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and his and his logic was the same. He didn't. He, you know, he was just like, I mean, they just. I have no confidence in them beating an SEC team. I was like, well, see, my thing is, I'm not sure how good Penn State is. Yeah, I mean, kind of like we were talking about Arkansas. They're good, yes. but I'm not sure they're anything special. Yeah, and to get beat up like that. Yeah, that's what I talked to one of the Penn State writers, and he told me the same thing. He said, "Yeah, Penn State's might be better than last year, but they're not the type of team he's expected to challenge for the Big Ten." I'll tell you what, we talked about it earlier this week. I'll be checking in on what Nick Singleton's doing. Every week, no, uh, he's a bit, he looks like a big time player for sure. <laughs> fun, that was a fun guy to watch. Um, I think they're they're probably pretty well positioned for the next few years once they. Well, once when they he got play. out when he got out there in the secondary on that long run, he just flat ran off and left them all. Yeah, yep, he's a good player. Once they get that five star quarterback in there too, they'll be they'll be in good spots. So, um, anyway, 
that'll do it up against the clock here. I think we've uh, I think we've gone gone a good while. So appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening today to this roundtable edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast. The next show will be I'll post it like Friday afternoon just because it's such an early game um, on Saturday. So I'll post it Friday so that y'all can go ahead and get it in your feed. And uh, you know, I'll just post it Friday morning. Why not? Who cares? Um, that way y'all have it in your feed and you can listen to it. The pregame show. Um, so you guys can get your last minute fix on Missouri before kickoff is at 11 a.m. Central time. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. If you guys enjoyed it, please leave us a five star review. That is still the number one thing that helps us out. We'd really appreciate it if y'all did that. If you like the show, if, if anyone else is looking for an Auburn related podcast here in the middle of football season, uh, we would definitely recommend. Or we would definitely appreciate it if y'all recommend to a friend um, that that helps us out a bunch as well. The uh, the bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode, everybody enjoy the rest of the week. We will talk to y'all soon. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.